Welcome to Dear 20-something. I'm Erica, the host of this podcast, and I'm so excited to have you here. A bit about me, I'm a 20-something social entrepreneur and investor who is navigating the ups and downs of being in my 20s. The Dear 20-something podcast started because we wanted to create a space for ambitious and curious 20-somethings to connect with the successful changemakers they most look up to. While the 20s can be a time full of questions and doubts, we're here to humanize the whole thing. You'll hear from successful trailblazers who will share the highs and lows of their 20s, and you'll also get words of wisdom from some experts who will speak on a certain topic relevant for 20-somethings. And then sometimes it'll just be me on the mic hosting an episode where I share a recent reflection or story from my own life as I too am navigating this wild decade. We're so happy to have you here. Let's get started. Today on this solo episode, I will be sharing the thesis for the fund I'm building, why I wanted to craft my own point of view and the future of venture capital and business building as I see it. This might be the first time that you're hearing me tease a little bit about what I've been working on. I will continue to share more and more as I can about the fund that I am building. But some of you may have seen a week or two ago by the time this recording comes out that I released an essay. It was like a 2200 word essay, foundational essay on what I invest in, where I see the world going when it comes to businesses and sort of the lane that I want to carve out for myself and I've already carved out for myself. And so I thought this episode could be a great recap of why I wrote this essay, what that process looked like, why I think honestly everyone should spend the time, even though it takes a while to really get that nailed. And then obviously what the essay is about and give you kind of like a sneak peek. Obviously, I will link the essay in the show notes so you can just go ahead and read that at the end of the episode or maybe you already have. But hopefully this essay, not this essay, hopefully this podcast is helpful for anyone who is trying to get their point across, whether it's the company that they're building, it's the fund that they're building, it's the nonprofit that they're building, it's the media company or podcast that they're building. I think it's really important to get super, super crystal clear on your unique perspective so that the right people can find you. So to start, the first question I wanted to just toss out for myself was like, why did I even write this foundational essay? There was a few reasons. I think the first was I felt like when I was having chats with friends, investors, founders, you name it, I was throwing around a lot of buzzwords And I felt like I didn't have terminology that I could really own myself. Like as an example, I'll give a shout out to Monique Woodard at Cake Ventures. I've told her this. She knows the way that she's crafted her language and terminology around the fund is really brilliant. But, you know, she does a lot of investing around basically what she calls it is demographic change. But it's basically changes in demographics as it sounds. So, you know, the majority moving to the minority. So how does that change, let's say, black and brown-owned businesses and the support that they're getting now that buying power is going from the majority to the minority? I think she does a lot of work too with the aging population, like the care economy. So we've obviously got a lot of baby boomers that are kind of entering that final chapter. What are the resources, product services that are supporting them? And that's a huge buying opportunity too because there's so many of them entering that space. And then I think her third demographic change pillar is women like up-leveling in the workforce and like women getting more buying power. They already have a lot, but it's like very focused on the buying power of women. 
And so, you know, if she didn't craft this phrase demographic change and she didn't have three clear pillars that I just laid out for you. And again, I think those are close to her pillars. She says it definitely more eloquently than I, but if she didn't have that, the pillars and the phrase, what she would probably say is, you know, I'm really excited about consumer and I invest in a lot of things that are connected to women and a lot of things that are connected to underrepresented folks, people of color, minority groups, because again, that's one of the pillars. And then she would say, but also sort of the care economy and the aging economy, which is some digital health. And so you can see how if she doesn't have like a clear outline, it can get a little bit muddled. And I think that's what I was finding happen, not just with me, but even with friends I would speak to. I'd sometimes walk away from conversations and go, yeah, I don't really know exactly what they invest in. Like it just sort of felt like a jumbled idea of things, but not like a clear and concise thing. And so anyway, that's why I I was finding myself doing that too. I was finding myself throwing in the words like community and purpose and underrepresented groups and organic growth and membership. And I had all these words that made sense in my head, but I wasn't cohesively putting them together into a story and into like pillars and a phrase that I could own. So that's why I decided to write the essay. And the phrase that I now own is elephant companies, which I'll get into later. And I'm actually, you know, I've got kind of the three traits that make up an elephant company. And then I'm even potentially working on like an additional phrase similar to get demographic change. That is something I can really hang my hat on. But for now, it's really just elephant companies and these like three primary traits across software that I am interested in. So anyway, that was why. Another reason I wrote this essay was what's weird about venture capital in particular, and this is actually the same with startups, is you're really investing in the potential for something for the most part. And when I say startups, I mean early stage, like pre-seed. You basically are investing in the potential of something. And with a fund, you're investing in a hypothetical basket of companies. And so what's tricky is it's not like you're presenting, hey, these are the 30 companies. And if you give me your money, it's going into these 30. It's actually, hey, give me your money now and I'll pick the 30. And so what's really tricky with that is you have to lean a lot on what's the through line between the 30 that you're going to pick or 50 or everyone has their own amounts or 10. But what's the through line between all the companies that you will pick? And you're like I said, you're investing in a basket before the basket is picked. And so I think that puts even more pressure on having clarity around how are all these companies connected. And the more that you can identify a phrase or a word or something that ties them all together, the better people will feel about it and the better they will feel like they can grasp what to expect. Because so much of life is just about is what happens matching up with our expectations, right? And so if you if you clarify those expectations and you're very, very crystal clear on what you will be investing in. I do think it eases concerns. Another reason I wrote this essay is it's actually a really good pre-read. So, you know, a lot of people when they're building something or they're doing something, think of, you know, content creators with their list of accomplishments and their rates and their key talking points and all that stuff. It's really good to have a pre-read. Founders obviously have decks. A lot of fund managers have decks. I think that's really traditional to do a deck, but I think What a lot of people want to see, especially if what you're doing and what you're building requires a unique point of view, is more writing and ideally long form writing, right? Like what is your perspective on the world? How do you see things differently than other people? And that gives investors before they speak to a really good sense of how you talk, how you move and what your thought process is versus 
maybe a more formal deck or a more casual memo. So I think this essay for me was like, this is something that I can send as a pre-read to give people a sense of what they're going to expect on a call. And then the deck is the more formal version of everything. But I do think an essay is just a great way to just put it all out on paper. Another final reason to write this essay, there's many more, but these were some of the main ones that came to mind. Another big reason is helping people find you. And this honestly goes for even just like being public facing in general, posting content, doing podcasts, putting yourself out there, being vulnerable. You're helping the right people find you. Because so much of life, like we are all humans with only 24 hours in a day. We can't possibly know and meet every single person. And so the little things that we can do to make it easier for them to find us, to identify with our values, to identify with our mission, to identify with our, even just like our energy, like, you know, are you optimistic? Are you pessimistic? Are you super academic? Are you super, I don't know. You need to put yourself out there, I think so that the people can find you. It's not always up to you to find them. And so for something like a foundational essay, like founders can read what you put out there and realize, oh, is this an investor that's going to resonate with me or not? If you're a founder, investors can look at it and say, oh, is this a founder I'd like to work with or is this not? And even if you're just a person on the internet, like it helps in so many ways for people to say, oh, I'd actually want to be friends with this person or I want to support them. I want to invest with them. I want to build with them. And so I think the more that you can be comfortable putting your perspective out there, being more public facing, again, whether or not you're a fund manager, I think the better. And so for me, what I found has been so valuable is since the essay came out, there's been so many people that have found me that I didn't really know existed, but are people I should 100% know. Great. So the next piece I wanted to talk about was just like the process for writing this. Because I imagine at this point in the conversation, some people might be thinking, okay, yeah, you're right. I think I probably should have some sort of foundational essay about my perspective and what I'm building or how I see the world that is longer form, let's say over a thousand words. And so for me, there's a few things that I did. One was I was connected to this brilliant writer who helped me sort of craft the essay. We very much worked closely together and it was just really great to have a thought partner because a lot of the stuff that I do, I do on my own. I try to find as many thought partners as I can and collaborators, of course. But, you know, it's it's hard. Sometimes when you are like a solo founder or you're a solo content creator or you're a solo fund manager, you don't always have that other person to bounce ideas off of and say, hey, this is how I'm phrasing it. This is how I'm thinking about it. And so I found someone who I really respected that came through a trusted friend. And he was really instrumental in helping, sort of helping me think through all of this and adding just more structure to what I already knew, but I didn't necessarily have the exact language. So that was really important. So I'd recommend finding someone who you really trust that can help be your thought partner. A lot of this process was like doing a lot of thinking and silent walking. If you know me well, you know that I love to drive without music or podcasts in the car. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. And like I love walking with podcasts, but sometimes not and just listen, like letting my mind run wild. And I think that was such an important part of getting to a final essay was like letting myself really think and like challenge my own assumptions. So sometimes I come to a conclusion like, okay, this is something I look for in a company. And I'd just be like, okay, think of case studies that meet that. Okay, think of case studies in, in companies that don't meet that. And just really giving myself the space to like think through and research and just process. Because I think so much of 
putting your perspective out there and your point of view out there it requires like a deep sense of what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it's like a confidence in what you believe. It's almost like a philosophical thing where you have to get really clear on where you see the world going, how you think humans operate, how you think business operates. And like, it's kind of these bigger questions that you have to get clear about. And it requires a lot of just like thinking and testing and letting your mind kind of run wild. So that was another thing that I spent a lot of time doing. Like when I would feel stuck, I would just take some time to think or drive or walk and just like let my mind kind of process, okay, what am I missing here? Or does this really sound good? Of course, talking to people about, you know, your thesis or your essay or your point of view really helps too because you can get real-time feedback. But I think more than anything with something like this, especially if you're already confident in what your point of view is, you just need to kind of craft the wording right. It's just good to spend time on your own really thinking through it. And then the other piece, like I kind of mentioned, but I did just want to say is like, I think the best way to get clear on your perspective is through case studies and examples. That for me really helped make it real. Was like, okay, why do I admire this company so much? And why are they doing so insanely well and such an outlier? Oh, it's actually not all these things that people in venture talk about. That's what they're actually doing the opposite. (laughs) And how is it working so well if they're doing everything you're told not to do? And so that was really helpful. And then looking at companies in the bull market versus the bear market, like companies really, really, really change if the market isn't going in their favor. And so which companies are still doing okay and which companies have absolutely crumbled because of it. And just coming up with those case studies, I just think really helps, at least for me, I think the world runs on stories and like it runs on examples. And so the more that you can come up with those really tangible companies, people, ideal brands, again, whatever you are, that will help you get clear on what you like and what you don't like and what your point of view is. Okay. So I guess the, you know, the last piece here, I won't get too much into it because again, you can read it. I said it more beautifully in an essay than I'll say here, but I'll give a little sneak peek at what the essay was about and then you can read and learn more. So the essay is called Elephants, Not Unicorns. And if you're not in business, I'll explain what a unicorn is. It's a term that was coined by a really successful and awesome investor named Eileen Lee from Cowboy Ventures. She coined the term unicorn 10 years ago, and it basically means any company that reaches a valuation of over a billion dollars. Usually that valuation is on paper, right? So it can be a little bit subjective, but it's basically saying like unicorns are the companies that will return a lot of money to their investors. They will hopefully be the next great companies because they're valued so high and so well. We use that phrase all the time in venture capital. Is it going to be a unicorn? Is it not? You build sometimes even like your portfolio construction, which is basically like how many companies you'll invest in and at what check size, knowing, okay, this percentage might become a unicorn. You know, like you really, it's a very common phrase. But what's so interesting is I have really struggled with, well, what I find interesting is I've really struggled with some of the unicorn playbook and that we just value this one kind of subjective number of a billion dollar valuation because the market has shown us that that isn't always giving us the most resilient companies. And there are maybe better ways to holistically value companies. And there's actually maybe other signals and signs that a company is going to be around for the long term than just did they hit this hypothetical billion dollar valuation. And I'm saying this as someone who knows many, many, many companies in the past year who were once unicorns, you know, in the bull market and now not so much. 
So I basically make an argument in this essay that there are other traits that we need to be looking for to better determine and to better predict what companies will be around for the next decade. And that the criteria we've been using for the past decade is a bit outdated and it's it can't be that simple. And so I dive into kind of two main trends that I think lend themselves to these kind of elephant criteria that I've coined. So the two main trends are, it's really easy to start a company. I call it the democratization of company creation. Really anyone can do it now. We spent the past couple of decades really building tooling to make it easier. Obviously, AI makes things quicker, cheaper, easier. We've got no-code tools, so you really don't need to be super technical or a software engineer to build a software company. There's obviously a democratization of entrepreneurship education online, like even me with the show. I talk about the ins and outs of building businesses. I bring on people, you know, way smarter than me to talk about what they've built. And so we're in this age now where like, it's really easy to build a software company. And now it's like, okay, who's going to be the winners if anyone can kind of do it? That's sort of the first trend. And then the second trend is really centered around the loneliness epidemic in America. And there's so many things that contribute to this. I mean, the decline in religiosity is a big one. Like no one, especially, I mean, if you look at the trends, like, you know, millennials, Gen Z, no one is a part of religious groups anymore or identifies with religion much very strongly. And that's obviously where we sought community previously. We don't really trust American institutions anymore, which is very lonely and isolating. We don't trust the big corporations. We don't trust media. We don't trust government. And so there's like all these trends, you know, we obviously post-COVID, there's a lot of remote work, hybrid work that's really crippling the mental health of Americans. Social media is causing us to be, and even just technology in general is causing us to be way more isolated versus connected. And so you've got these couple trends that to me, I, I just think about over and over again. And there's actually a quote that I start the essay with that I love. It's something like, again, I'm, I'm, I don't want to butcher this, but it's something like we used to be born into communities and then had to become individuals. And now we're born as individuals and have to find our communities. And that really rings true for me. Like, I feel like so much of how at least my generation was really raised, it's like, we are so secular. We are so individual. We have our own lives. And we're encouraged in American society to really be so unique and original and independent and in a lot of ways isolated and obsessed with our phones. And we crave connection. We crave community. At least I certainly do. Um, and that's what the stats say. And so the whole thesis is really centered around like the next great companies will treat their customers like members and their companies more like communities. And so I'm really looking for founders who are obsessed with their community, their community builders themselves. They're obsessed with their members. There's almost this like organic membership element that you know when you see it, you know, like there is this crazy word of mouth organic marketing piece and they approach growth very differently. Like they don't just pay to acquire customers because they want like revenue and growth. Of course, they need that, but there's this different approach to the people that are serving them and paying them. And the language that they use, they tend to call them members, not customers, which is really interesting. They tend to have a strong purpose element and believe purpose is the growth hack. So really identifying with people's identity, connecting to their values, clear mission, all that stuff tends to really go a very long way. And then the last piece is really around and these are some of the elephant traits I'm listing. The last piece is really around like, you know, the best communities have sort of like a cult leader slash evangelist at the forefront. And they're often building in public. They're sharing their learnings. They're connecting openly with their members all the time. They're very close to them. They're very close. You, you feel like you know who they are. And so, you know, I look for a lot of founders that are 
more public facing or, and if nothing else, just member facing, right? And they know that sharing their story publicly is helping build a movement and tackle that main mission they have as opposed to being self-serving in any way. It's really about like creating the change they want to see in the world. And that was what resonates with their members. So that's sort of my like thesis. And then obviously in the essay, I gave a lot of case studies on companies that are doing it well. Yeah, that's kind of what I put together. And that's really the types of companies that I want to invest in, like at the pre-seed and seed stages, very early. That's what I know how to do. That's what I love doing and building and software. So, you know, I don't do CPG. I don't do hardware. I don't do product, but really early stage software companies that are led by really like community obsessive, more public facing purpose driven founders tackling an issue that I think really we need to see fixed in the world and already has those signs of community obsession. So that's the essay. That was the process. So far, the response has been really, really positive. And I can't recommend it enough for any of you that are thinking about or feeling stuck. Like I, you you feel like you have a clear vision or a point of view, but you're just, you're throwing a lot of buzzwords or you feel like people need to understand more of your point of view before they hop on a call with you, like a pre-read of some kind. I would recommend spending the time and putting an essay together. And this podcast is the best way I know how to share information widely and scalably, which is why I wanted to hop on here and give my point of view. But like, this is sadly a one-way podcast, right? Like you're not all sitting here with me right now. You're listening to this after the fact. So I would love it if you would reach out, if you have any thoughts or insights on the essay once you read it. There will be more essays to come. This was such a valuable process for me. And there are so many places I want to continue diving deep because the response has been so positive. There are a lot of people now who are like, oh my gosh, I want to you know, know how to evaluate elephant companies. And I really want to you know, learn more about what unicorns actually have elephant qualities and some of these pieces that I've been thinking about but can't tackle all in one post. I'd have to write a book. So yeah, please reach out if you have any thoughts or insights. Also reach out if you yourself are thinking about writing an essay and you want someone to to gut check it. I'm I'm honestly I can't recommend it enough and I'm always happy to read thought provoking content. And the last thing I just want to end with is how important it is to craft your unique point of view on the world especially if you want to start or build something on your own. Doesn't matter what that is. Again, you could literally be like a podcast host, a content creator, starting a nonprofit, writing a book. Like I don't, it doesn't matter. But if you want to kind of do your own thing and be an original thinker, you should craft your point of view. What's the thing that makes you unique? What do you understand better than anyone else? I think that's really, really, really important. And that doesn't happen overnight, right? It takes a long time to figure out how you see the world differently than other people and what your skill sets are, but it is an activity worth pursuing for sure. And I say this because one of my favorite shows is actually Project Runway randomly. And for those of you who know me, I'm not the most fashionable person ever, so it's kind of random. But what I love about the show is they are all such unique individuals and they all work so hard to channel their unique perspective into their design and their unique point of view on the world into their design. And like every week is just like a physical manifestation of how their brain works. And of course I love like the competition piece and the personalities, but like I think the thing I really love the most is seeing little pieces of how their brain works into real life garments and like real life things. And I feel like that's sort of what this essay is. It's like taking a slice of how my brain works and how I think about things and how I see the world and putting it out there IRL for people to see. So anyway, that's just my my anecdote on that. I do think it's really important to craft your own point of view. Don't rush it. And I'm certainly still crafting mine, to be very clear. It's always evolving, but 
I really feel like this is a good starting point for me. And I was able to put something in writing that I've long been talking about and thinking about behind the scenes. So anyway, I hope this is helpful. Again, message me anytime if you have questions. So appreciate you all being here. If you've made it to this end, you're a real one. And yeah, I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dear 20-something. If you enjoyed it, you can give us a follow over at Dear 20-something on Instagram or subscribe here or anywhere you get podcasts.